Greg and Josh are not paid critics. They are not experts, nor do they claim to be. They are just two nerds that love to talk about internet shows. However, they're still going to tell you about what they think. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of All Queued Up. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of All Queued Up. Now, as as you know me, I am I am your host, Greg Dietz. Um, with me always is my co-host Josh Josh Fisher. Hey everybody. I almost gave you my brother's last name again, like I've done a thousand times on the show. It um, happens. <laughs> uh, guys, you may have seen on, on, on our social media accounts, our Twitter, our Facebook, yada, 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 that we took, I, I, I said a small hiatus. Um, I expected the break to be a little bit longer, but as certain things do happen, um, we said, uh, we threw caution to the wind and we're going to just keep going with the show. Um, now there's a reason that the hiatus happened. Or at least there's a reason why we didn't have an episode Friday, I should say that. Um, and I'm going to let Josh tell you exactly what happened. Uh, basically, uh, a short time ago, I stepped on a piece of glass. And I had a cut on my foot. And it slowly healed up. But in the process, I developed a staph infection. The staph infection got in my foot and inside my ankle leg. Uh, it ravaged the tissue uh, and bone. <clears throat> I also developed cellulitis and I became septic. And for the past two months, I'd been getting really sick off and on. And I thought I was just you know, battling stomach viruses, battling the flu, um, because I would have a fever and, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, it turns out, no, I was battling a staph infection and sepsis and I had to go to the emergency room on the 17th and the morning of the 18th, they amputated my right leg uh, about five inches below my knee. So I had been in the hospital. Uh, I was able to come home on the late on the evening of the 24th, and I have been home recovering. I have a pick line in my left arm. I'm on a, an antibiotic drip. I have to take these very powerful antibiotics every six hours on the dot. Uh, to help stave off any potential infections while my leg heals. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've got a home health nurse. I've got a physical therapist that's coming by a couple times a week to show me exercises to do to keep my leg strong, keep my uh, good leg strong. Uh, the upshot is she came by on Memorial Day, uh, which was yesterday as the time we were recording this, the 28th. <clears throat> said I am only 10 degrees shy of full range of motion, which is remarkable for someone 10 days removed from an amputation. 
and uh, that I've already been doing a lot of the exercises she had for me and I'm uh, ahead of the curve, so to speak. I've got a leg up on the competition, should you, shall we say. Um, nice. Nice uh, done. You know, I, I'm, I'm progressing well. I have a follow-up with my surgeon on the 1st, which is the day that this episode's releasing. But I am grateful to be alive. Uh, they caught the staph infection in time, so it did not kill me. Yeah, I had to lose part of a limb, but I have a perfect amount of leg for a prosthetic that I will be fitted for once physical therapy uh, it begins. And I learned to walk again, but you know what? I'm happy to be alive. My spirits are high. I've got an incredible support system behind me. I've got some amazing friends and family that have done so, so much. I have to mention these guys. I've got to mention the Cool Table Network and the Realm of Collectors. Uh, personally, I want to reach out and thank Tyler, uh, Bobby Skullface. Uh, Tyler started, you know, the thing that you were wanting to mention, Greg, and Bobby. Yeah. Bobby, well, I know uh, that you're you're <clears throat> modest about it, and you're you're not going to be the kind of guy that's just like, "Hey, give me money for this situation." So I want yeah. I wanted to be the one to say to tell people about the GoFundMe, but yeah. they're the ones who set it up too, and it's yeah. Well, they 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 reached out to Misty when I was in the hospital. <clears throat> Tyler reached out specifically um, and said, "Can we can we help? We want to help." And she's like, yeah, what do I need to do? And he's like, start a GoFundMe. She started it. That was Wednesday morning, the 23rd. And Bobby called us in the hospital that evening uh, before they recorded Shattered Cast Uncut. And, you know, he spoke to her on the phone. He spoke to me on the phone. He let her know. Hey, we're getting some donations together from all the Cool Table Network shows to give to you guys directly via your PayPal uh, so there wouldn't be any funds taken away by GoFundMe. And it's just been the amount of just support I've been getting from everyone. And I'm not talking about the financial support, which, you know, has been a relief in itself because it allowed me to pay after my insurance the $800 copay just for my antibiotics to come home. Uh, that's a 14-day cycle, four times a day. The, 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 what they've done allowed me to come home. So, you know, I'm just grateful to all of them, the, the whole, my whole realm family for what they've done for me and my family. So I just wanted to mention that's why we didn't have <clears throat> an episode on Friday. Uh, we're just going to scrap that planned episode. We were going to cover uh, the new adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle on Amazon Prime and the new Legends of Monkey King on Netflix. Uh, Monkey King's fun. Cheesy Kung Fu fun. Go check it out if you're into that kind of thing. 
Yeah, um, that, that's a good show, but the other one is more the, of a Yeah, the other one's show. so much more of a kid's show that, you know, I couldn't. But yeah, that's if you, if you have If you have a kid that's under 10 years old, they're going to love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but if they're over 10, probably not have much interest. But uh, enough about that. That's uh, I'm home. I'm healing. I'm going through physical therapy, uh, taking it easy, starting out slow, but I'm progressing well. And uh, we're excited to bring you this episode. I was really, really hoping that I would be home in time so we could actually do this episode. And it turns out we were able to. Yep. I mean, I'm sure we could have tried to reschedule, but I would rather have not have done that. <laughs> but guys, yeah, we uh, we're covering season two of the toys that made us today. Um, yes, just dropped Friday the 25th, and we're also going to have a return interview with Brian Volkweiss, the creator. Uh, so we're really excited about that. So we'll have him on a call later in the show. But yeah, that's uh, that's enough about yep. my situation and what's been going on. Uh, Greg, is there anything you wanted to add to that? Just that if if you guys listening to the story and you want to throw a, a dollar or whatever into the GoFundMe, uh, we will have a, a link in the um, um, on the social medias on both the Facebook and the Twitter. Um, uh, just just for the sake of of. You know, like if you feel the the need, if you feel the the generosity come forth, and 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 I totally get that. A lot of people have. I've had a, a ton of people when Josh was in the hospital contact me, uh, asking about his condition and what they could do to help. And and the second that I found out about the GoFundMe, I I sent them that link. Um, shit, I was watching Solo the other night, and I was in the theater, and my phone kind of like vibrated in my pocket. And I was like, the hell, and I picked it up, and um, uh, the the uh. The lovely pe- the lovely couple in, in uh, San Diego, uh, Genocide Squirrel and McKay, contacted me because they wanted to donate as well. So I was like, I'm watching Solo, but I'm definitely going to throw them that link. So it's it's something that's important to me that I want you guys to know about. And, and don't feel the pressure to donate. You don't have to by any measure. Um, uh, if, if, if you want to just send Josh some love, that's totally – Josh would be more than appreciative, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean the the outpouring of of concern and uh, love and uh, um just just goodwill in the situation has been unbelievable. So it has been extremely humbling and touching, and it has really helped to keep my spirits high. I mean, you know, not one time have I thought since this happened, Jesus Christ, my life is over, or this is an absolute travesty, what's happened. You know what? It's a pothole, a speed bump in the highway of life. I will get past this. I will be walking again. If this is a temporary situation that yeah it's going to be hard work to get through this there are days i know i'm going to be lying on the ground wishing i had died probably um but i've got just all the things that have happened 
I've I've tapped into that and just um, it's been amazing. It's been overwhelming. The things that the messages that people have sent, people checking in, it it has gone so so far, such a long way to just keep me positive and keep me focused and something to look at when I know I'm going to have those tough days ahead of me. And right now, I'm just happy. I'm happy as hell to be alive, and I'm happy to know that so many people really do care. Um, you know, that's what more can I say? I feel like I feel like I'm one of the luckiest guys in the world, even though I'm sitting here with, you know, uh, a larger part of my shin and foot gone. Uh, I feel like I'm one of the luckiest people on the planet. I truly do. And yeah, it it it, it sometimes <clears throat> takes uh it sometimes takes a, an event like this to to really show an individual how much they have. I don't think that was necessary for you, Josh, but it definitely did show you in regardless. No, you um, know, I I've, I've, I've always I've always thought of myself as always strive to be a good person, you know, and I like, you know, and I hate to sound arrogant, but I'll be like, you know, I think I'm a good person, but I always question it. I'm like, am I a good person? I don't know. You know, there's no question now. You know, and I don't want to sound smug in that at all, but I I guess I am because of, you know, just the sheer amount of people. Can you has, feel smug to know that you're a good person? Is that possible? I don't know. I mean, I I feel guilty about <laughs> even thinking that. And is is that part of what makes you a good person for feeling guilty? I don't know. Maybe, I, you uh, know, it, it's just fucked up. Those are the things that go through my head. I'm like, am I bad for even thinking that I, you know, for having the arrogance to think that I'm a good person? That kind of thing. It's just like, but. You know, people people have been telling me, you know, you get out what you put in and you've you, your outlook during this whole thing has been an inspiration to me on things and make me think, you know, well, the shit I've got going on is nothing compared to what you're going through. I'm like, you know, I don't I appreciate it. God, it feels weird to hear, though. So you don't have to tell me that kind of stuff. Just. You know, just checking in and saying, hey, how are you? Is there anything you need? You want to talk? That kind of stuff goes a long, long way. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, enough uh, about uh, enough yeah, about Yeah, like, speaking of talking, let's, uh, let's get into uh, Toys That Made Us, season yeah, enough, two. Enough about me. Um, guys, but, so, so if you remember earlier, what was it? Episode 10. Back at the first of, Febu- first of February. Oh, I thought yeah. it was February, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, season season one, because I guess technically it is labeled season one and two on Netflix. Yeah, season, season, one, season of- one season one dropped uh, like the December twenty sixth, I think it was, or something like that. Okay, okay. Um, but we we actually had the interview with Brian Volkweiss. Uh, like the last week of January, and put out episode ten the first first couple of days of February. Yeah, yeah, and that was and that was something that was interesting to both Josh and I because we hadn't really done anything to that extent. So 
with this episode, we have a little bit more experience on how to handle it, and that's what we're going to do. But first, we need to talk about Season 2. Um, and uh, Season 2 is very much like Season 1, except it's about uh, Transformers, Star Trek, Hello Kitty, and Lego. Mm-hmm. Um, not in that order, but you could watch it in that order if you want. You can watch uh, it in any order you want. It's kind of like Lego. <laughs> there are multiple combinations of the, that you can put a brick, uh, combine the bricks. There are multiple combinations you can watch these episodes. Unlike a foot. Um. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so I don't know how to go into this other than like, Let's let's talk about the start. Let's talk about the the Star Trek episode because I think that was yeah. episode one, right? Yeah, Star Trek was the first episode of this season. My <clears throat> life has always kind of had Star Trek in it because my dad is a big Trekkie. He has been since he was a kid. He was born in fifty four, and what the first episode came out late fifties, I think. Uh, no, nineteen sixty six. It ran nineteen sixty six through sixty nine, I believe it was. Yeah, so my dad, my dad was twelve when that show came out, and um, it was a big thing for him. It was a big deal for him at that age, um, and so like, you know, when I, when I was growing up, I wasn't really into sci-fi, and then Next Generation came out, and that was a huge deal. And my dad watched the hell out of that. I couldn't stand it. I was like, "This is boring." It wasn't until I want to say Nemesis came into theaters and my and a friend of mine was like, let's go see it. I was like, okay. And that's what got me into Star Trek, oddly enough. Hmm. Um but uh yeah, like my dad has Star Trek stuff in his room. You know that little um balancing eagle toy where the uh the like the the beak of the eagle's like on the top of the pyramid and it balances up? Yeah, yeah. He has one of, of the Enterprise of that. Oh cool. Yeah, um, it's much bigger. Like it's 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 not it's not as small as that eagle. Like it's, I'd say the Enterprise itself is probably about six inches in length. Okay, from tip tip to tail. Um, but uh, but yeah, he also has like a Star Trek Barbie set thing. That's like a Ken and a Barbie in like uh, Starfleet uniforms. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Slightly morbid, but I think this is kind of funny. I'm not a very materialistic person. So when my dad was talking about his inevitable passing, he's like, I'm trying to think of what to leave to you and your brothers and sister. And I was like, I don't care. I'm not going to fight them over stuff. They can fight each other over your stuff. I don't, it just, uh, the lessons you taught me are what's important. He's like, well, what about the Barbie uh, Star Trek thing? And I was like, I'll take that, sure. <laughs> 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 oh man. Uh, uh but um but yeah, so like so watching this episode, um and I had seen that movie do you remember the movie about Trekkies that came out a while back? Was it called Trekkies? I believe so. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I, like, I mean I, I, I may have seen it. They didn't but... talk about they didn't talk about the toys super, super much, super much. Wow, good good grammar there, Greg. They didn't talk about the toys a lot in that movie. So it was fascinating to know that Star Trek toys didn't really become a thing, or like they were they were not a big thing for a long time. No, they uh, uh they had a rocky history. 
They went very, through very rocky history. They went through a ton of different licensees. Uh, I think in like forty, almost forty years, they had almost as many licensees. You know, uh, the most successful one up until Playmates in the nineties being uh, Mego in the late seventies. And you know, they uh, man, Marty Abrams, what a fascinating guy that that guy is. Holy he crap! His fingers on that fascinating. No, he's actually really interesting. Um, I, I could watch a whole documentary about Marty Abrams alone. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like honestly, <clears throat> if 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 uh, toys that make us made, made us gets to a point where they can't have singular episodes about a whole toy line, having full episodes about a specific person in the toy industry that made toys would be hundred percent watchable and marty abrams would definitely be i think episode one. Oh god um, he'd have to be <laughs> have to be well the dude already has a huge ego and like when yeah he, i was gonna say i don't think his ego would allow for him to not be episode number one <laughs> well he like the second they interview him he's just like marty abrams toy guy i was like well yeah, right. yeah. that's a, that's intense immediately <laughs> <laughs> but, you, know, you know, and he's still for his age. He's still just like bleeds cool, man. He does. Yeah, yeah, he does. Absolutely. He flat out does. Well, he, he when they <clears> were interviewing him, and he was talking about how like when they got the license, he was like, "We wanted to do something because the toys that are out, that were out at the time were like they weren't really Star Trek toys. They were toys that had the label of Star Trek on them." Yeah, um, they got they got the Star Trek license for five thousand dollars. Super cheap. Ended super up making cheap. ended up making over fifty million on it. So yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, they did talk about in this episode that when the yeah um, well when when people stopped buying Star Trek toys, like his the company kind of had a huge upheaval, and like I guess he was found out for. Tax fraud and shit like that. So yeah, Marty, Marty made some mistakes. Um, let's say, <clears throat> but you know, he did give us the Nintendo Power Glove a few years later, and it's so bad. <laughs> That's a double entendre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it was just a really interesting episode, and it got to the point where they started talking about McFarlane toys, which I adore. They're just expensive. Um. And, uh... Oddly enough, I was never a big fan of McFarlane figures, because to me, they were more like McFarlane statues. Um, sure, I totally understand that. They're absolutely beautiful when it comes to the sculpting paint. I will give them that. But they never had much in the way of articulation. But look no, incredible on a shelf. Yeah, yeah. That's And then, and arguably, like... If there's a an obscure character or something from a cult film that I would love to have on my shelf, like McFarland Toys is where you go. Um, or at least that's been my experience. I'm sure there's a toy maker now that'll make that stuff, but um, well, I mean, there's there are there are a lot of them out there now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I know that my brother has one from <clears throat> like it's a series of Quentin Tarantino characters that are not McFarland, but they're like super articulated and really well made. I think like NECA, I think NECA put those out. Okay. The Reservoir yeah, Dogs has, set. Yeah, he has he has he has Mr. Yellow, 
uh, the girl from uh, the 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 stunt girl Zoe Bell. I want to say her name is from Death Note or uh, Death Note. Jesus Christ, Greg. Death. Death race. Death drive. Death something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's it's the it's the the second movie and like that came after Planet Terror. Why can't okay. I think of the name of the damn movie? Okay, um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I don't know what you're talking about. But and then he also has the Bruce Willis from Pulp Fiction. So nice, and I think he's I think he's got more of them too. But uh, um, but yeah, like uh, uh, you know, Star Trek had gotten to that point where now Star Trek toys are marketed towards adults and not towards children. Not that children couldn't play with them, but it's definitely at the point where uh, I think toy makers had. Fa- what, what what year would you say that toy makers started figuring out that? the market for Star Trek toys was adults and not so much children. Uh, 95, 96, somewhere in there. Not long after Playmates started producing the uh, Star Trek figures and play sets, they okay. started putting in more details, uh, increasing and improving their sculpt work. And, you know, kids still bought the lines, but it was really a lot of adult collectors that bought the line. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's where I feel like the money is for, you know, something like Star Trek. I really do feel that way, too. It just, it never has come across as a toy line that appeals to kids uh, so much. When I was a kid, never once ever did I ever give a thought about a Star Trek toy. I had Star Wars toys. I had He-Man. I had G.I. Joe's. I had Transformers. I had Voltron. Uh, you know, Robotech. Uh, <clears throat> Thundercats. Well, they, Never once did I think Star Trek. Ever. Well, that's... And they kind of, they kind of mentioned that in, in a certain way in the episode where um, it was hard to try to sell Star Trek toys in the 80s because Star Wars was a thing. Yeah. Um, there was no new show for Star Trek. There was no real market for it. I think that's when Amigo had their big problem. Was yeah, Amigo, Star Wars came out. So yeah, Amigo. I think they tanked in '83. The year Return of the Jedi came out. Yeah, uh, that makes perfect sense. It, it, well, it's like Marty Abrams said. He's like, you know, Star Wars put a dagger in our heart. We just didn't know how to pull out the dagger and heal quickly enough. Um, you know, it didn't kill yeah. him immediately. It took about six years to do it, but it did it in the end. Yeah. So that was, I'd say overall, that episode was really fascinating just because I didn't know, oh, I didn't know man. almost any of the information. Oh, how yeah. they would, how they would just like label swap stuff and change color palettes and throw a sticker on it and say, yeah. okay, now it's a Star I- Trek toy. Yeah, that was no that was ridiculous. How they used to do that a lot with a lot of things, especially yeah, in the yeah. '60s and early '70s. But yeah, the Star Trek um, episode was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, so the next one, just because we got to keep this train rolling, because we don't have the opening segment be an yeah. hour where the interview. Yeah. Um, Transformers. So, Transformers. So that. That, so I, I before we get into the whole episode, I have to kind of commend the editors on the show or how how the show is kind of structured. There's a part in it where they talk about 
it's early in the episode, I want to say 10, 15 minutes in, where they're discussing all of the stuff that led to the toy line being released. And they're like, we had the toys, we had the character names, we had the story, we had the comics, we were all ready to... And then the second it shows that, it was like, it shows GoBots. That yep. shit is hilarious to me because that's exactly kind of that, that hitting a brick wall feeling is exactly, I imagine, how the toy makers felt. And so when they have the show do that, it really does accentuate how it had to have been in that time to know that GoBots, you know, hit the market six months before Transformers. You know, even though GoBots did hit the market six months before Transformers, <clears throat> man. They didn't have the get up and go trend. They did. They did not. Absolutely did not have the appeal or staying power that Transformers did. I mean, well, it's arguably because like the characters look cooler. They're, the the toys were a lot more seemed more advanced. Yeah, the, the toys uh, were. Most of the toys were more intricate and more advanced for the most honest, part. The Transformers names are way cooler than any of the GoBots. Yeah, yeah. I Just mean, I had. Like, I had a couple of GoBots growing up. I didn't give a shit about them, but I was that one guy that said he threw it on his dad's barbecue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but I still Transformers to this day. I got two in the mail that should be here today. Uh, you know, I mean, I still buy them. Masterpiece Transformers. I, I love them. Uh, yeah, as a, as a kid, they. The, both the cartoon and the toy line and the comic, all three. You know, I watched the cartoon, I read the comic, I bought the toys. Well, okay, my parents and family members bought the toys, but, you know, if I had any spare change, I would get a mini bot or something, you know, like Bumblebee or Cliff Jumper. Uh, you know, the bigger bots, you know, my parents or relatives would buy for me. <clears throat> I remember my first ever Transformer was 1984 Mirage. Uh, he was an F1 car. He's blue and white. And to opening up the box in the back of my uncle's car with my cousin, and he has a spoiler, and you know, the way his legs separate and the spoiler tilts, they become his feet. I broke one of his feet off right out of the package. And then the next day, my brother dropped a gigantic book on top of Mirage, and Mirage oh. had a... He swiveled at the waist, uh, and it snapped him in two. So my very first Transformer didn't even last 18 hours before it was just completely and utterly destroyed. God, that sucks as a kid. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But... My, my... Like, the thing with Transformers growing up was they... <laughs> I should I should clarify this. My my parents have never had money. So buying toys was a massive luxury. And it didn't happen unless it was birthday or Christmas, straight up. And um so so Transformers toys weren't a huge thing in my house, even though we loved the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um But I did remember going to friends' houses who had Transformers toys. And I would sit there for hours, literally, just trying to turn it into a car, turn it back into a robot without oh, having God, yeah. any instructions. Like, so I imagine most kids did that. Like that was, that was a huge draw to it. it was not necessarily that it could turn into a car, that turning it into a car was a challenge. Yeah. And that was, that was a huge draw. I mean, 
you know, I love the characters from from the show. I love the characters from the comics. I love the fact that the characters could transform, but that wasn't why I bought them. Or I would have been all over GoBots just as much I was as I was Transformers. You know, uh, like I said, never gave a shit about the GoBots. It was the characterization. And Optimus Prime, man, <clears throat> he was, he was it. Optimus Prime was the just, I don't know how to say it. I mean, he, he, my dad well, wasn't like present. It's... My dad wasn't present in my life growing up. Optimus Prime was a father figure to me in that aspect. <clears throat> I was going to say that the, uh, the the voice actor, Peter Cullen, he's in the episode, and he kind of talks about how he came up with how to present the character of oh, Optimus Prime. That was a beautiful story. Yeah, like, I don't want to totally tell the story because it's yeah, his story for one, and B, you should just watch the episode because it's fantastic. But It was a beautifully the, the, told story. What I took from that story was that he wanted Optimus Prime to be that father figure. Yeah, um, yeah, he really did. For kids in the 80s who, in, like, let's say your situation, Josh, connected with that so strongly that... Hey, when the movie came out. <laughs> oh, man. Ten-year-old me sitting in the theater, seeing that happen, seeing my favorite characters be killed off one by one by one by one right after another. And then Optimus Prime finally shows up, and you're like, yeah, he's going to save the day. And then he dies 20 minutes into the movie. I'm just shocked and just was blown away that they did that. Um, and they talk about that. They talk about the impact that it had on uh, the toy line. You know, the toy line after, after that movie, the toy line did okay for another year. But that's when Takara left. Takara left the picture, you know, because uh, for those of you that haven't seen the episode or know what I'm talking about, Transformers came from two different lines in Japan that were produced by Takara, uh, Microman, or Microchange, and uh, Diaclone. And the Microchange line were, you know, like one to one scale products. Uh, that were, you know, ordinary, everyday products or based on real-life objects, whereas the Diaclone was based on vehicles, uh, and they were like a 160th scale. Uh, so Hasbro, you know, they talk about how Hasbro goes and buys, uh, gets the rights to these lines and combines them into one single toy line and creates the Transformers, and... You know, Bob Budiansky did that over the course of a weekend, you know, coming up with the names and the bios uh, for the comics, you know, and uh, he had to do it for both the comics and the toys at the same time. So that was a fascinating thing. It was. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they, they, a lot of the times in these stories in general, um, these, these 
toy makers and character writers and all kinds of they're under extreme like restraints and, and timelines and and the fact that they were able to come up with stuff like this that was this successful is still around to today. I mean like yeah. You know, fifteen years ago, if you said the name Optimus Prime, there's a chance that someone knew who you were talking about. Yeah. Now since the Bay movies came out you say Optimus Prime, there's a far, far greater chance people are going to know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, that, I know a lot of I know a lot of Transformers fans don't like the movies, which is understandable because. Well, whatever, but, there there are a lot of fans of the movies. It's a lot of the older fans like me that aren't as big of fans of those movies. I'm not as big of fans of those movies because I think those movies have shit writing. I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of the character designs. However, there are some that actually do look really cool. I'm not going to deny that, but I think the writing of those movies is just pure crap. The first one I can watch, the rest of them are pretty terrible. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was great because they travel to Japan. They go to yeah, the, yeah. they show the original workshops and like the original Transformers figures, they made prototypes out of balsa wood on these little machines, like these precision machines. And that was fascinating. And to see those binders full of the Polaroids of all the balsa wood prototypes that they made in Japan back in like 19... 79 1980 that was a pretty awesome thing to see you know because the original prototypes are gone all they had left was those polaroids but that is cool to see yeah yeah it was it's it's, that's what makes i think this show in general before we move on to lego uh so fascinating to me is and they they show it in other episodes not just this one but like kind of how well how they were built yeah. Not just, like, the fact that, that, that Transformers started off as wood, like, they were wood, um, uh, uh, prototypes. shapes, if you would, prototypes, is mm-hmm. fascinating as hell to me. So, um, and how they yeah, had the so- original designers that worked on the design team back in 1979, 80, you know, through the early 80s, you know, that, that's also a wonderful thing to get to see those guys coming yeah. back and reliving that. And looking back and reflecting, that's just really cool. Yeah, it's it's super rad. Um, so the next episode, episode three, is on uh, Lego. Um, now there's been a lot of of quote unquote documentaries. There was an animation about the history of Lego, and uh, they they do they do cover that in this. What I didn't know, which makes total sense is how strongly Lego attaches to the system. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the system. Yeah, so the system, if you don't know, is basically the exact measurements that Lego pieces need to fit together. Because um, apparently back when they first created it, uh, the guy, I can't think of his name. Um, Only Kirk Christensen. Thank you. Um, I'm so bad with names, guys. It's, it's so okay. awful. It's okay. Yeah, I'm he, glad you're not bad with names. Uh, they called um, it the automatic binding bricks system. Was did they still call it that when before it had the bottom part, the the underneath that made them attached to each other? That 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 was the original name. Was the automatic binding brick system? 
Um, well, no, I know that. What I'm saying but is when that they made the tubes, is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Did they keep it? No, there? no. They they had uh, they had changed it from the automatic binding brick system to the uh, Lego. Um, I can't There's remember like the Danish s- word for it. I think it began with uh, an M. Okay. Like, uh, but they call it the basically the Danish word for brick. You know, they called it the Lego. Whatever oh, system. that's right. It's like it's like Munchen or something like Munchen that. Munchen or something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, forgive me uh, for our Danish listeners for mispronouncing that. <laughs> uh, I do apologize. We aren't we aren't Danish. I um, am an uncultured American swine. I I do enjoy a good Danish though. Yeah, yeah. That and too. also and also the pastry. <laughs> but up 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 um. Yeah. Anyway, move, moving on. Um, so, so what's like, there's a few things in this episode that I didn't know that I thought were fascinating. So, like, the system was something I didn't know. And the system. I didn't know the system. I didn't know about that Lego almost went under. <laughs> I had no idea about that. Yeah, in the early 2000s, around 2004, 2005, they almost went out of business. And that's that's hard to believe as popular as they have been. It was yeah, just uh, like bad marketing decisions, you know. And, too much. Uh, there was they were they were oversaturating their own market. Mm-hmm. That was a big problem. But uh, yeah, it was Bionicle that brought them out of the brink. Oddly enough, even after that, guess- though, even after that, they still almost went under. Um, I thought it was uh Bionicle carried Lego by itself for about a year and a half because oh, there right, were because right, there right. were no uh Star Wars or Harry Potter movies uh in the theaters yeah. at the time. And but Bionicle couldn't do it all alone and that's when killed Kirk Christensen stepped down and brought in the new CEO and they said let's get back to basics. <clears throat> and that's when they kind of refocused and reintroduced the Lego City line. Uh, which, ironically enough, is one of the lines that got me personally back into Lego uh, b- about a, a little over a decade ago. Because um, uh, I have a lot of Lego sets that I personally, you know, uh, several of the sets that they showcased in that episode, I actually own or did own. Uh, like the Lego Space Series that they introduced in 79. Christmas of 1980, My uh, two of the things that I got, or Christmas of 1981, I'm sorry. Two of the things that I got, one was the Lego Police Station that it showed in the right after they introduced the minifigure in 78. Uh, that police station they showed in that little town scene, that was my very first Lego set ever. Uh, that Space Cruiser set that they showed along with the castle. That was my second ever Lego set, that specific space cruiser. And my mom still has them in many, many pieces. Uh, and many pieces have been lost over the past 35 years uh, at her house. But, uh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, like for me, Lego, Lego was always just a hodgepodge bucket that we had that we just built whatever we wanted. Um, I don't think I ever was able to buy or bought a set. Um, I honestly like didn't. If I ever bought anything from the Lego store that wasn't as an adult, it was always it was always minifigs. Oh of, man, like, popular characters. Yeah, the minifigures um, are fun. 
But I mean, some of those sets are amazing, and I love them. Oh no, they yeah, that was like my nephews bought a ton of the Star Wars sets, and I would sit at the table with them and just build with them, and it was a bonding experience that like I'll never forget because, um, and I don't think they will either. But it's it just that's what Lego is. Lego is. I mean, it literally fun, means fun play well. That you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I mean, the, the, I I don't know I. For me, this Lego episode really shows that even the most prestigious company, prestigious toy line, can fuck up. Yeah. I mean, they literally, uh, all the success that they enjoyed uh, worldwide in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, it all came crashing down and they yeah. almost almost went under and I'm glad they, that they did not you know and now they're the largest toy company in the world you know yeah. they uh, and that's because they have one a quality product but they've also got a CEO that knows what he's doing uh, they've got great marketing strategies uh, but well, let's, it's let's not just, forget the most important thing the system Oh, the system, of course. It is, uh, and we're saying that because they make many references <laughs> to it in the episode. A but it, Lego is a high-quality product for people of all ages. I collect Lego. I love Lego. My little girl loves Lego. She has Lego sets. Um, they I mean, are just so much If you give me so a bucket of Lego fun. toys, I just play with them. Yeah, like, I adore it, Lego, but... Yeah, and I love how this presented the history, and, you know, when we had Brian on the show before, he talked about how he actually touched and put his hand inside, you know, one of the retired molds that made the 2 by 4 bricks, you know, uh, and it shows the Lego molds. Uh, it shows some of the molds, you know, what they used to do with the molds, how they would bury them in the concrete of the foundations once they were of no longer of use. Um, but now they have them, you know, where they retire them, they have them on display. Uh, it's just a fascinating thing to see because a lot of people don't think about the injection molding process, what that involves, you know, what, the, yeah. and it's just a cool thing. Yeah. But I it's, thought, yeah, it's, it's. I, I, I just thought that the Lego episode was a fascinating one, and I it mean, is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's well, that's and again, I keep praising the show in general for being well edited and well put together, and it's it's not just a um, it's not just a documentary that kind of goes through the motions. Like they make it entertaining in general. Like, yes, it's just it's fun very, to watch. Very much so. Yes, um, and it's formative, and for a casual viewer. You know, it's loaded with information, you know. Yeah. Well, speaking of loaded with information, because the next episode, I think I, neither you or I knew anything about going uh, in. Very, very little, other than aside from that she's a Sanrio character, I didn't know much at all. She's also really kawaii. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, so, if you, and if you guys partially, remember the last episode... Partially responsible for that whole movement. Yeah, I was gonna say if you remember last ep the last episode that we recorded, uh, we reviewed an, a, a show called Agrisuko on Netflix. Well, that's from the Sanrio company, and those characters are actually a part of the Hello Kitty toy line. Um, 
And uh, see, I wouldn't even call it a toy line. I would call it the uh, Hello Kitty universe. Well, yeah, product line. Product, product line, idea. product line, perfect. Yeah, yeah, because it's it. They don't sell toys as much as they just sell shit, just stuff with her face on it. And, and you know, not not meaning shit in a derogatory way, but just like no, I mean stuff. Any anything stuff you shit. can think of, they put Hello Kitty on it and sell it. You know, it's well, like and, and, like they were saying in the episode, the first products that they tried to sell in America were rice bowls and chopsticks with her face on them. Right, you know, right. back in the 70s, Japanese culture was not as prevalent, and they mentioned that in the United States as it is today. So a lot of people didn't know what in the hell that thing, those things were. They're just like, right, yeah. what like is the, that? The, um the Chinese food and sushi boom of, of America did not, was not a thing yet. No, no, not at all. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's interesting that like, originally they didn't have a store here in America. They literally went door to door. Yeah. That was an awesome thing. It's just like, they were talking about how they didn't have a marketing department. They went door to door and said, hi, you heard of Hello Kitty? Very famous cat from Japan. Very famous cute cat. And just trying to sell people stuff. And they're like, you know... How, like, how do you sell a toy at at, a, at someone's doorstep? That's the thing that... Well, if you showed I up at my doorstep with a cool Transformer, I think I would buy it off of you. Um, well, I mean... Also, but, of course, that's... this is back in the mid-70s. Back in the mid-70s, they're going door-to-door, and it's like, you know, every month we've got 100 new products coming out with Hello Kitty on it. You know, you got they had to place a minimum order of $300, and they're going door-to-door doing this and succeeding. That's what's mind-blowing about it. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. It was very success, successful with the Asian American population and not so much just uh non-Asian American uh residents so but it was later on that she really started catching on uh yeah but it's it's fascinating that because she never had and they bring up, she never had a cartoon. She didn't have a comic book. She was just, started out as a cute little kitty on a coin purse. And, well, and that's that's another thing. I think you kind of hit something that I think was interesting, too, is that when you watch literally every other episode of the show, um, something they talk about all the time with making these toys is that either started off as a toy and they had to evolve it into a cartoon to sell the toy, or it was already a show or cartoon that turned into a toy brand. Or a simultaneous launch of each. Um, right, right. And, that, and because of that, like, there was nothing like that for Hello Kitty. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't, I don't think there was a cartoon or anime for Hello Kitty until, like, years it after was like, it was a thing. She, yeah, she debuted in, like, 70... Four, I think it was, they said, and the cartoon that they did, the first cartoon they did for, didn't come out until 87. So, 13 years minimum passed before she even had a cartoon. 
and she was a becoming a worldwide uh, seller. So that that is a fascinating thing to do, and a near unheard of thing to do. To and to not even have really a specific toy line, but just it's like they mentioned, you know, say for instance, GI Joe. I remember that episode. Kirk Bazigian said they sold over a hundred thousand, hundred and twenty thousand Cobra Commander figures alone. All right, they talk about this in the Hello Kitty episode. How Sanrio, how a typical company may take a hundred thousand units of the same thing and sell them, but Sanrio would take one thousand units of a hundred different things and sell them instead. So your numbers were a lot more limited. Uh, there was a lot less, uh, you know, instead of having 100,000, say, Hello Kitty hairbrushes out there, there's only a 1,000 of those. Uh, but you can also, there's a 1,000 combs or a 1,000 toothbrushes. And that's what's fascinating, too, that they got her to become so success, successful on limited product numbers like that. That's yeah. mind blowing to me. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's 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 really impressive and fascinating. But even Hello Kitty had its, you know, had its troubles. Uh, um uh as successful as it is cuz it is the, what the second second largest uh product line in the world or something like that? Probably. They, they I don't know. the second largest amount of money. I think that's what they said in the episode. That's why I'm going off of that. I, um, I can't remember specifically, but I'd have to go back and check, but you may be right. She is quite successful, though. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. And, and the majority of her success, though, has come in the past 15, 20 years, and that's because of celebrities, and they mention that. Yep. Um, as a matter of fact, they interview quite a few celebrities, including Paris Hilton, because... Mm -hmm. I guess so. Um, uh, but one of my one of my favorite moments in the, in the episode, speaking of the celebrities, is they're talking about how they would slap her face on just about anything. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things was a uh, shoulder massager. Shoulder massager. Like I always said that in unison. Um, it wasn't so much that it would massage your shoulders as I guess it does relieve stress and tension in its own way. But, yeah, it's clearly something else. Uh, my favorite part was a girl was like, I have another thing. It's by my bathtub. And I was just like, oh, you use it, huh? <laughs> oh, no, no. She actually, what she mentioned by, because I rewatched that episode this morning. She was talking about her Hello Kitty makeup brush set. It was actually. Oh, in her, I thought mm -hmm. she was talking about. No, nope, okay, nope, she wasn't talking that. about the shoulder massager. She said she had one, though, but she was actually referring to her makeup brush set. Okay. Uh, oh, well, well, whatever. I mean, if one did use it still, I wouldn't judge him. I'd be like, okay, you do your thing. Hey, you do uh, you. More power to you. Yep. Uh, Battery yeah, power, that is. <laughs> we got we got to wrap this up because we're going, we're hitting almost an hour now. <laughs> so, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> this ran long, of course, you know, with, uh, uh, we did talk for about 15 minutes earlier about what went, what's going on with me. So that did increase the runtime. But it's, yeah, it's whatever, but it'll be a long episode. Just, you know, if here's the thing, guys, is, is about, you know, an hour in. That's when we interview Brian. So we'd definitely go with it. But what we'll do right now is we'll um, we'll do our grades and then 
uh, we'll move right into the interview with Brian. Uh, I'll go first real quick. Um, much like with season one, the show is fascinating. It's really well put together. Uh, the stories that are given to you aren't super long or heavy handed. They're just like, here's a thing that happened and it kind of sucked, but it also worked out for him in the end. And you're just like, oh, this was very, very interesting and, and, and fun to watch and funny and, and, and just, I love it. I, I genuinely love the show, even though I'm not an avid toy collector. It's just a very well put together show. Um, so for me, it gets an A+. Plus. Um, awesome. It is something I would watch again. I think I gave season one an A+, plus too. Uh, maybe. We also didn't have a grading system when it came out, so there's yeah. that. Yeah, we retroactively gave it a grade, but... Yeah, I don't remember what I gave it, but I'm sure it was an A+, because I adore the show. So yeah, um... Yeah, Josh, what, what's your grade on it? Oh, same. A plus. This shows. <laughs> I figured as much. <laughs> this show is, is uh, I mean, I can eat it up. Uh, I love this show. I love toys. I love documentaries. A documentary about toys? Holy shit. Put me in a chair. I'm there all day long. Uh, absolutely love it. It's, it's, in, it's super informative enough for the casual viewer. Uh, for somebody who's in a you know a big toy collector like me, they it may not be as um, I don't know. There there are a lot of facts that I already knew about certain things, especially in the Transformers episode and in the Lego episode. But the Star Trek episode, I didn't know a lot about. Hello Kitty, I knew nothing about. So those were super informative for me. Uh, but still, even being able to see like John Warden's office. Uh, you know, at Hasbro when they're talking to him. If you notice, there is a Unicron figure standing next to him on a desk. That was the prototype in 1986 for the movie for a Unicron figure that was never, ever released. There aren't many of those in existence. So for it to, it wasn't discussed, but it was displayed prominently next to him in his interviews. So that was a cool thing to see. Little bits like that, fans like me can appreciate. Um, and I'm sure there are things like that that show up in the Hello Kitty episode that I wouldn't recognize because I'm not a super huge Hello Kitty fan. But I bet a super huge Hello Kitty fan would notice something like that. So I love the little touches like that. I love the way the show is edited and put together. Uh, and I love the fact that, you know, it looks like we're getting another season of this. Uh, hopefully we'll have confirmation of how many episodes and maybe what some of those episodes will consist of after we get done talking to Brian Volkweiss. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the interview. I, I think, uh, Having him on again is like we appreciate that greatly. It's it's, it's also our first repeat guest, so that's a tremendous thing. Technically, he's still our only guest. <laughs> John Abaya. No, no, I take that back. Yeah, John Abaya. Well, I guess this is he's technically our only interviewee. Yeah, who's still a guest? We didn't, inter we didn't interview John. No. What what is John? What's John going to bring to the table? Hey, John, how's it how's it being a twin? That's fascinating. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> I'm just fucking, I'm just messing around. Anyway, there's, um, there's your guys, shut it, John. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, um, we're happens. old friends. Uh, it happens. 
But uh, but yeah, guys, um, we're going to end the, the review part here. Please enjoy our interview with Brian Volkweiss. Yeah, and we will be back afterwards to wrap up and give our final thoughts. And thanks a lot for hanging out so far. And let's cue some transition music. So there's an old proverb, uh, English proverb to be exact, um, took place in the, in 1983. That's at least when it's first printed. And it, uh, it's very simple. It goes by, uh, it's, um, shit happens. Uh, usually this was accompanied by a smiley face. Um, but shit happens is more of like a say la vie sort of thing. Like, eh, you did sometimes sometimes things don't work out like you want them to murphy's law ha, 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 ha. josh what happened we lost brian's audio yay i am yay. so disappointed because we had such a high energy excellent flowing conversation we knew this time we only had him for 30 minutes we got right down to business. He was so happy to be back on the show. We were so happy to have him back on the show. We had a wonderful conversation, and we've lost the audio. I had three different recording um, uh, recording programs up to ensure, and it was monitoring all the levels look good. His audio is nowhere to be found. Uh, the uh, one thing I am going to do that I haven't done yet is contact Scott's uh, technical support to see if there's any way to retrieve that call. If there is, I will do so, and we will release the uh, audio at a later date. But for now, we are going to uh, basically paraphrase what happened and report it that way. <clears throat> so, because we still appreciate Brian joining us, we loved having that conversation with him. Uh, it's just we, we uh, loved, an unfortunate situation. Yeah, so. it, it does suck. It is a bummer, but it's not the end of the world. And he was happy. He was thrilled to be back on the show. He loves, you know, he loves the support from us and our viewers. Uh, he he loves our enthusiasm, uh, and he was just thrilled to be on the show. And the first thing I did, uh, you know, his assistant conferenced him uh you know called me and then they conferenced in greg and i said first of all uh brian thanks for being back on the show we we love having you and he said you know glad to be here you guys are great i really enjoyed being on the first time back in uh the end of january and we congratulated him and all the crew for being picked up for another season and he was thrilled about that, and that led into my first question. I said, uh, the last time you were on All Queued Up, you mentioned that if you were picked up for a new season, you were going to reward yourself with a mint-on-card 1982 Snake Eyes figure. And he's, he was like, good memory. I said, so did you get your Snake Eyes figure yet? And he let us know that, no, he did not pick up his Snake Eyes figure, but what he did do instead is he's a big fan of the movie Dune from the 80s. And he loved the Dune toy line from the 80s. Even though it wasn't very popular, it wasn't very successful, he discovered a prototype of one of the figures. And there's only six in existence. So it cost him more than double what a men on card snake eyes would have cost. But he ponied up the dough and bought himself that Dune prototype. 
which he's very pleased with. And it turns out he's already had three or four offers on it since he got it. People wanting to pay significantly more than what he paid. So turns out, you know, it was a pretty good investment for him. And I'm, I'm really thrilled that he was able to uh, pick that up. I think it's, you know, I love Snake Eyes as a character. I love G.I. Joe. <clears throat> and a, but a Men on Card 82 figure is a lot more readily available on the market than a rare prototype when there's only six in existence. So that was a cool thing. Uh, and then, Greg, yeah. you asked him about the new season. Uh, and yeah, so, so the question that I gave to him was that there was an animator that I follow on Twitter mm -hmm. and, uh, he was talking about how much he loves the show and that everyone should watch it. Um, and then there was a, a comment underneath that, that was, uh, basically like, I didn't like the Lego episode because they used footage from the second series of Bionicle. Like, and it was like, I have a really hard time watching the whole series because of that one thing. And it was like, and then, then the animator was like, you really judging in a whole eight episode series off of two minutes of one episode? <laughs> like, that seems really odd. Yeah. And it just seemed like a weird critique to me. Like, a very strange. Oh. Maybe not like, like the critique itself of like, I would rather have them used new for a uh, season series one footage of Bionicle than series two. But everything's great. Like, that to me makes sense. What doesn't make sense is to demean the entire series based on two minutes of footage. Oh, absolutely. And when I explained that to him, he basically had this, had this story about how in his, in his mind, everybody's opinion matters. Yes. There is nobody who on the internet, nobody on, on Facebook, Twitter, any of the social medias where their opinion doesn't matter. Um, because at the end of the day, everyone's passionate about these things. Everyone wants these things to be represented in a good light. And, and I mean, the show does a really good job at that. Mm -hmm. Um, my question to him was like, has he heard any weird or, or strange critiques about the show that made him just kind of scratch his head? And he, he was like, yeah, but. I'm not going to sit there and say that that person's opinion is bad or that they, that they're devalued in their opinion just because I or somebody else may deem it as odd. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, that's really great to hear. Like I, it's, it's not, it's, it's refreshing to know that there's a creator or a show creator that actually gives a shit about what the fans are saying. Exactly. Um, and you know, he reads all of this content. So he is, uh, all of it. And with, he's a busy man. Um, you know, he's created this show. He also, you know, is the head of the division that covers stand up comedy for Netflix. So not only does he do this show, but he does a lot of stand up specials as well. And he's traveling. He actually, in the interview, he told us he had to fly out to Japan yesterday morning. So he's in Japan right now as the time we're recording this on Sunday. And that's for filming of the upcoming season. Um, I'll let you. Uh, so he's a busy guy for him to take the time out of his day. You know, on top of being a family man, I know he and his wife just had their second child, I believe. Uh, you know, on top of his work schedule, he's also a family man. So for someone who takes so much time out of their job. Uh, or out of their day to read comments such as these. It's a pretty tremendous thing. The guy's work ethic is very, very admirable. 
One of the other things he did mention, yeah. you know, is like Transformer fans, how they have actually... And Transformer fans, they're a fickle bunch, man. Uh, I'm a Transformer collector, you know, as we've mentioned on the show. And there are two main camps, those who are pro-G1, the original series from 1984, and then those who are pro-Beast Wars from the 95 series. And most of these camps don't get along. There's a lot of mudslinging. And Which I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently it is. Oh, it's absolutely a huge thing. And these people... And this is not a vast majority. It's a vocal minority, but it's always the vocal minority that is heard the loudest because they're shouting the loudest. They are going on the the Twitter account and the Facebook page and arguing about, oh, blah, 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 Beast Wars this, you know, G1 that. And it's just like, you know, he said it was just crazy. He didn't realize how much, um, how passionate the fans were. And he did say that the one thing he was mortified about, they let a mistake about Bumblebee through on the Transformers episode, but he didn't go into specifics as what it as to what it was. Yeah, he just I specified. will have to rewatch it. I'll have to rewatch it to see if I catch it. But all he said was they made a mistake, and he was mortified by it. But at the same time, with the vast team of researchers that they have, because they they have a lot of researchers. And the thousands of items they've looked at over the past eight episodes and the current ones that they're filming, because they are filming now, to only have a handful of mistakes, less than five mistakes come through, is a pretty tremendous thing. Yeah, I, you know? I, I explained to him that I don't have, like, uh, a, a direct experience working on a film. or I mean, kind, anyway, point I'm getting at, I've done stuff... That had that where I, when I hear him say that there was a, only a handful of mistakes for a show like this is massively impressive. The problem with a, exactly the problem, look at us, we've got under 20 episodes and we lost audio. That's a major goof for us. <laughs> well, uh -oh. I guess I guess I'm more going in line with um, sorry, Jack Bauer's calling. Um, I'm going more in line with the idea that, um, when you have something where there needs to be a shit ton of facts and mm -hmm. a couple things slip through, it, it, it's going to happen regardless. Yeah, something's it's, always going to slip through the cracks, like you were saying. Yeah, it's it's just it's just the nature of the beast, and the fact that it's not an extremely high number is really really good. Tremendous. Um, yeah, I mean human human error happens. We're all human. We all make mistakes. So I commend them. Yeah, uh, you know, for their uh, high rate of accuracy. Um, but yeah, he was. But he was, yeah. he was. He 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 did tell us about something that he thought was like a a, a strange critique, but I don't remember what it was. It was it was something to do in the first season. I'm drawing a complete blank, but it was really funny that I don't. You remember what yeah, I'm talking about, I'm though, right? I don't recall it 100%, so I don't want to quote it. I don't want to misquote it. Oh, absolutely. It. Absolutely. I'm just saying, like, he did He did eventually answer the question. Um, but it was really nice to hear that he reads all those comments, guys. So, like, if you're watching yeah. the show and you want to let him know. And he did say, he did say, you know, uh, uh, it's a very small minority 
of negative comments. A vast majority are positive yeah, and he praising. Said, he said it was like, like five, 95 percent or better. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was ninety five to five percent, and and that's yeah. That to me is also something that he should take it with with a huge amount of pride. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, guys, if you guys love the show. Let let them know. Tweet at them. Comment on their Facebook page. Comment on their Instagram. How much you love the show, because they read it and they appreciate it. They may not respond, but they do see it. Yep. Yep. What was the next thing you asked him? Uh well, we went. We we said. Uh, speaking of the new season, I said obviously you had to travel. You had to go to both Denmark and Japan due to the Lego and the Transformer episodes and the Hello Kitty episode. I, and I asked him, I, I was like, were there any significant cultural barriers in explaining what the show was all about, what your intent was? Um, and of course, you know, it wasn't a problem in Denmark. They got it. But he said in Japan, when they got there, specifically the Takara offices, they uh, he said uh, he always lets the crew set up and he shows up about 15 minutes before filming begins because it apparently makes the crew nervous and puts them under more strain and pressure if he's in a room when they set up because he's always wanting to change a little thing here or there and he drives them nuts so he just kind of keeps his hands off and shows up last minute but um he mentioned that takara he mentioned that Takara had them set up in a uh, conference room in their offices. And he's he gets there and he's like, you know, um, he said, guys, this is nice and all, but where's the where's where's the archives? Where do you keep your old stuff? And they're like, oh, we've got stuff in the basement. And they go to the basement, they take them to the basement and they show them, you know, and they've got these like big storage totes, like Rubbermaid style storage totes that are like four feet long, two feet wide, whatever, just filled with old stuff from the 80s. And they say, here you go, you know, look through all this. And they started filming down there and pulling out things like uh, one of the things specifically he mentioned was the transforming robot that turned from a VHS cassette. It was like a lifestyle or life-size one-to-one VHS cassette that turned into a robot. You know, that's something that was never released in America, uh, to my knowledge. And, you know, they found it. And he's like, oh, I love this. We're going to use this, you know, because it was produced by Takara. And he's like, where, where was everything produced, you know? Show me, show me where it was all produced. I want to go to the birthplace. And they're like, oh, well, that's in our Nikon workshop down the street. So they had never even scheduled filming there. Uh, so that whole location was done on the fly when they went to the actual old workshop and they showed the original machines that the balsa wood prototypes were created on. He said that was all done on the fly. He said at first, you know, Takara didn't quite understand what they were going for, but once they got it, once they understood their intent, he said they bent over backwards and were just amazing and just pulled out all the stops to show them uh, everything they had. And he said it was just, it just made the experience so much more enjoyable and that was a pretty awesome thing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really fun to hear him talk about that experience in general and 
How I how I, he I imagine this the case. He didn't say it. I think I might have mentioned it, but um, how interesting it is that like a lot of probably a lot of Americans don't get to experience that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did mention it. it, it he's just like, and they mentioned this in the first episode. He, uh, you know, the first time we talked to him. How getting to like touch the original Lego molds that were used in the seventies and eighties to produce the four by two bricks, you're touching history. You're touching something that most people don't even see. He said that these these transformers and other things that were in these totes, they hadn't been pulled out and anybody seen them in probably thirty years. They've just been in storage, like the. Uh, the binders that have all the Polaroids of the balsa wood models, they had been in storage for about 30 years. Nobody's actually seen them. So that was a cool thing to experience for him. That's an awesome thing. Yeah. Um, uh, then we followed up and I asked him uh, about the Mego episode, or not the Mego episode, the Star Trek episode. I was like, Speaking of history, Marty Abrams, the guy's just a fascinating character. And I could, Greg and I both mentioned how we could watch a documentary about Marty Abrams alone all day long. Yeah. And we asked him, uh, the chan- uh, you know, about the possibility if there was a, a chance of doing a Mego specific episode focusing on Marty because he was such a big influence in a powerhouse, especially in the late in the mid to late seventies in the toy industry, and until they collapsed in eighty three, and then Greg, you followed up with yeah, I, I said I didn't want to be rude and interrupt, which you and him were just like it's fine. Um, it was really funny uh, to me at least. Uh, but I wanted to follow up with the idea because, you know, Josh and I were talking about this prior to like the day before the interview, like it would be really interesting to me and obviously to Josh and Brian as well. If there were full episodes about just one company or full episodes about like, um, uh, the idea of a specific type of toy. So like uh, misprints or something to that effect. So I asked him, I said, is there... And even specific designers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I asked him, is, is, is there enough content for full episodes of that? And he says, yes. Shorthand, yes. There's enough content. The issue is, is anyone going to want to watch it? Is, is there Yeah, any- it's basically the return over the investment. Right. It's, it's um, you know, he, he's talked about in the last interview with us that... You know, the Star Wars episode had two and a half hours of, of footage, and they had to cut it down to 45 minutes because that's just the nature of making that kind of thing. And um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it ate him up quite a bit to cut out that much content. And he says yeah. just about every episode is the same. Every episode has a, has a lot of extra content that we just can't put in the show because, you know, Netflix didn't give time us... Time constraints. Yeah, Netflix didn't give the time for that. And... um um, even though Netflix is like the most laid back company he's apparently ever worked for. Um, for yeah, studio. they still want it, you know, under an hour, preferably 45 minutes to the 50 minute range. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, uh, for, I understand that entirely. I totally get the idea that there's, there's only so much you can do. And, um, 
he would love to see that. He would love for maybe a future where those documentaries exist on on either the toys that made us or in a different fashion. But unfortunately, um, it's hard to say right now. Just because a there's probably a lot of a lot of episodes and content coming down the pipeline, uh, but also due to the fact that if ever there were to be a part where they needed an episode and they didn't have like a toy line to cover, they could definitely do like Star Wars, the stuff that was cut episode, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He didn't say that, but that's exactly what I feel like he was implying. Um, yeah, that. But getting- he he did state that. He just doesn't feel, even though that is something he would like to do, and there are people out there that want to see that, he also said he doesn't feel that the viewership would be high enough to warrant, like, the cost over the, you know, return. Uh, Because, you know, Netflix, they have metrics that they're able to see exactly what is watched, how much of it is watched, where it's watched, all type of varying uh, factors to measure, you know, and he just doesn't feel, and Netflix doesn't feel that things like that would be worth producing because of the lack of perceived viewership and interest. Yeah, it's um, which is unfortunate at the time, but you know maybe that can change in the future. Yeah, yeah and if it does, if it does, then that would be something cool we could get. Yeah, I was gonna say it's 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 uh, it's definitely an idea that I was happy to throw out there, and he's definitely had in his uh, wheelhouse of stuff he would love to do. But um, but yeah, it's it's you know if 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 the viewership is there, if people demand it, if people want it, then it could happen. But as of right now. It's just going to be it's a, not in the works. Yeah, it's just going to be 45 minute episodes of the toy lines, which, to be honest, we're more than happy with. So, yeah. And, you know, he did say how much he loved Marty uh, Abrams. He said Marty was just a fun guy, a cool guy. But Marty definitely, definitely has um, an ego about him. That's something that we all three mentioned. But, uh, well, you and I, I can't remember if Brian specifically said it, but he did say how much he loved Marty and interviewing Marty. And they've interviewed him like three times now. And most likely Marty will be back for something in the future just because of how connected uh, and in control he was of things back in the 70s. Well, wasn't it in um, the in the, uh, the Star Trek episode? I think they talked about how Migo had a lot of the movie uh, toy lines. They they had a lot of the TV toy lines. They didn't do TV a lot of movie toy, toy line, lines right. because oh. because back before Star Wars, movie merchandise was not that profitable. It was almost unheard of. So there was what one more question we had, Josh, that you asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked him one more follow up. I said uh, it's mentioned in the Hello Kitty episode how it has become much more socially acceptable for adults to exclaim their love of all things kawaii. I said, how do you think the uh, social media and the internet in general has affected toys in America, both in the ways they're produced and in collecting? Uh, He said, really, it's basically boils down to knowledge. Uh, Like, you know, someone 
today, the age of like 26, one of the people that made him an offer on his Doom prototype was a 26-year-old guy. He's like, when he was 26, um, you know, Doom came out about 30 years ago. He said when he was 26, which would have made him the same age, he's the same age as me. So when I was 26, that would have been 2003. He wouldn't have had the knowledge about something from like 1970, like this guy has about early 80s knowledge. He said that, you know, he wouldn't have had the similar amount of knowledge about toys that were produced in the 40s and 50s as someone from, you know, the 80s would have uh, because of the Internet. It just really influenced the knowledge more than anything. And he said it did, co- uh, He had, uh, because so many people are posting their collections and things like that. And, you know, like myself, I'm in, you know, toy groups like the Realm of Collectors, which is an amazing community uh, who we talked about earlier in the show. Um, you know, that's become more acceptable for adults to, uh, proclaim like, Hey, look, I'm a family guy. I'm a bill paying adult. You know, I'm responsible yet. I still love and collect toys and it's become more acceptable to do that. Not quite to the level it has been in Japan, of course, but he said those were the main factors, uh, that, and the, uh, just the wealth of knowledge that people have available that, they obviously employ when it comes to their interests because, you know, at a at the same age compared to a different time period, he wouldn't have that knowledge that people do today. Yeah. And that was pretty much, uh, that's when we pretty much ran out of time. We had, like, just two or three minutes left with him. Uh, so we we thanked him for appearing on the show. He said he was so happy to be back. Uh, loved the support. Uh, we... Uh, we wished him safe travels to Japan because obviously when we recorded Thursday night, <clears throat> he was planning on leaving Saturday, which was yesterday. Uh, and uh, he wished us a great evening. And I've got a feeling as well as the interview went and as high energy as the interview went, Brian Volkwas is going to be our Marty Abrams. I have a feeling he'll be back on the show. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't doubt it for a second. <laughs> I certainly hope yeah. so. <laughs> I, I certainly hope so. He's he was just he's a fun guy to talk to. He cares about the support. He cares about you know the show in general. He cares about the people that watch the show. He loves the successes that the show is receiving. You know, he loves getting the comments. So guys, you know, hit him up. Uh, hit up the toys that made us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Let them know how you feel about the show. They appreciate that that content. The feedback goes a long yep. way. Um, but yeah, guys. Uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate that we did lose the audio, and and we're gonna try to see if we can salvage it somehow. Uh, this was the best idea that we had. Just kind of running down the conversation, and um. Uh, what was I going to say? There was a point to that. Uh, but basically, yeah, I agree with what Josh said. Like, we're, we're definitely going to try to get him back after the, like, next season or something, because he's super fun to talk to, and... Oh, oh, God, one thing I almost forgot to mention. We, we did, we did say, I did mention that the toys that made us Twitter account, pardon me. In late February, posted a picture 
and it said the wall is back. And it had four rows and 11 columns. And the rows were labeled as like research, pre-interview, interview. And the other one was indiscernible. And I said, based on these 11 blacked out columns, I said, is it safe to say that you've been picked up for an 11-episode season? He said, it is less than 11 episodes. He then followed up, because this was what I was going to ask. He said, I cannot tell you how many episodes we have been picked up for. It is less than 11. He said, I also cannot tell you what toys the episodes will be focusing on in the upcoming season. He said, but the official announcement will be coming soon to watch out for that. So we did ask him, but due to confidentiality reasons, he could not disclose those. And that's totally understandable. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it is just like, oh, yeah, that was one of the bigger questions from the interview. I, I so. thought that was actually the first question. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, oh. it, it was one of the it was one of the first couple of questions I asked and I actually didn't have that written down. Oh, OK. Gotcha. But I had all the others written down that I did ask. All right. And that's why I forgot it earlier. So my apologies. But yeah, I also, I I do apologize to everyone for actually losing the audio. I feel so terrible about it. It's not the end of the world. Like I said, we had a wonderful conversation with Brian. He was high energy. We were high energy. Our interview just flowed super well. We were so happy with what we got because it went much better than our first interview. When, A, we didn't realize we only had him for 30 minutes versus this time we did know up front and we just got right down to it instead of wasting time rambling. Yeah, also you Um, and I sat down and we we hashed out a few questions and I remember you think, I think you said... Which we had a list that... Yeah, I, I, we we had a list the first time too, but we just didn't have it as structured as well. Well, and uh, I was going to say like you, I think you had like ten questions you wanted to ask him, and I said we would be lucky to get through five with thirty minutes. Yeah, so we, we and yeah. I had a list of five or six. Yeah, I had a list of six. We asked five. Yeah. You asked two. We got through those seven in thirty minutes, and we did ask a couple of other minor questions just to kind of expand upon what he was saying, and you know, just reacting to his answers on the fly. Uh, but you know, we got the we got the main questions in that we wanted to ask, and yeah. we had a great convo. And it's just unfortunate that we lost it. I'm really sorry, we'll but to, if there is any way to retrieve we'll it, have to figure, I'll post it. Yeah, we'll have to figure out in the future how to nail that down perfectly so we don't. Like, so this doesn't, because I remember the first interview too, we had, we, there was a bit of a struggle trying to figure out exactly how to get the audio to work. And then with this one, it. Well, see, and that's the thing. I got it to work on the first one. Right. On right. this one, though, something has changed in the latest update of Audacity. Right, right. That I was unable to get the audio, but I spent all day the day before testing various methods and I got it to work and X split. But how, uh, because I did test calls on Skype. However, something happened in between Wednesday and Thursday, and I assumed everything was okay, and yeah, it just wasn't. And, and, and I have no idea I, what it's, it's, could have happened because I don't know XSplit at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's my fault. You know, I take all the blame for it, but. If there's anything we can do, we will. We're just grateful that he appeared on the show. We got a great conversation. We got great content. We were able to relay that content to you. It's not the perfect desired format, 
But it's better than just scrapping the episode altogether because we feel this was a great episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but guys, uh, we uh, this whole episode is now uh, an hour thirty minutes, but that's fine because this is this is our comeback after the hiatus. We're still gonna have new episodes every other Friday like we plan. Uh, the next episode, this one obviously is going not going to publish on a Friday. Of no, course, it won't, it's gonna but, be kind of off schedule. But our next episode, but our next our, scheduled episode, will be on the fifteenth. Yeah. Um, uh, um, and that'll actually. And that's going to cover the uh, new season of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and the new season of Arrested Development. Yes, which I actually just. Season four and season five, respectively. Funny enough, uh, because of the time timeline of recording this show, uh, I just finished The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt season five to, or season four today. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, it's nice. only six episodes long, so it's a super short season, but. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's, what, three hours of your time? Yeah, it was nothing. I think I watched most of it yesterday. But anyway, um, guys, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Uh, I want to give a big shout-out again, a big thank you to everyone over at um, Shattered Cast and uh, uh, Off the Runner. Nerd Rage. Uh, Bobby yeah, Skullface. Uh, and, basically. And all those guys. Yeah, yeah, basically, you know, uh, my friend Tyler from off the runner that I also do. Uh, he's the one that reached out, you know, uh, Bobby Skullface. He called Misty and I in the hospital and spoke to us both on the phone. Um, <laughs> it's funny because when I originally told him that we were doing all queued up and then, uh, I actually told him about our interview with Brian the first time he was like, Hey, break a leg, man. And I was like, thanks. I will. So when Misty handed me the phone in the hospital, he's like, dude, I told you to break a leg, not lose one. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't help but just bust out roaring with laughter, you know. <laughs> and those guys and the Realm of Collectors and everybody over at Enter the Realm and Breaking the Mold, the, uh, all the support that everybody has shown, uh, just checking in daily with me, checking in daily with Misty. Seeing how she's holding up, seeing how I'm doing. It's really gone a long, long way to keeping my spirits up, to keeping her spirits up. Uh, we, you know, we've not once have I had a bad day. Not once have I looked at this as a bad thing. Well, there was one bad and day. And it's. It was, it was when you couldn't find the audio for the Brian interview. Well, that was a bad. That was that Friday morning was a bad morning. Yes, that sucked. Yeah, that was that was. But that I mean, you know. Other than that, I'm talking about. <laughs> other than that, other than that, yeah, things have been just proceeding well. I did uh, visit my surgeon Friday. Uh, she looked at my leg. She said it is healing extremely well. She removed all of my sutures. Um. You know, she gave me the all clear to go out and do anything and, you know, getting out of the house and into the car and getting out and doing things was a lot easier for me than I anticipated. So since she gave me the all clear, uh, Misty and I and Madison, we all three loaded up in the car yesterday. We went out, we went and saw the new solo movie finally. Uh, you know, we went to visit family, uh, her sister and her sister's family and, you know, we had a great time, and, you know, uh, just thanks, everybody, for all the support they've shown. I, I I know I've gone on about it a lot, but I can't help it. It's been Dude. overwhelming yeah. and humbling, and everybody's generosity and just genuine uh, caring 
means a lot and it's gone a long way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 one of those things where even if you can't, you know, like donate money, definitely time is just as just as valuable to some more valuable. More valuable. There you go. More it means more to me when somebody sends me a message and says, "Hey, I just wanted to check on you. How are you feeling? How are you doing?" I hope everything is okay. Is there anything I can do? Just if somebody doing that means more to me than anything because they're taking time out of their day to check on my well-being. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just shows that they care. It means more to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we do we do need to wrap it up. We we are running very long on this episode. Yeah, I apologize. Uh, you're fine, everybody. It's, it's, <laughs> it's but I mean it's. Don't you don't have to apologize, um, but yeah, guys. Next episode will be on the new season of Kimmy Schmidt and the new season of Arrested Development. Um, both are currently on Netflix right now. Um, I'm halfway through Arrested Development, and as I said, I just finished Kimmy Schmidt, so um, it'll be a very fun conversation to have with Josh because we did learn recently that our sense of humors aren't exactly as aligned as I had previously thought. Um. Well, no, I mean, but that's okay. That's fine. It's totally okay. I mean, that's what's going to make good conversation. So there you go. Exactly. Exactly. Um, um, but yeah, Greg, just quick rundown since we're not going to use our original outro. Uh, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at ChubRockGeek. Uh, that's where I will announce like anything I'm doing or have an opinion about something you may disagree with. Um, I also do uh, two different shows on twitch.tv slash missionstartp. Uh, the P stands for podcast, just in case anyone's curious. Um, the first show is on Sundays, uh, where I do a uh, video game news discussion kind of thing. We basically talk about a news story and give our opinions on the situation. Um And uh, with E3 coming very close up, like that's going to be a huge thing for us. Um, and then every Thursday, now that Anthony has his computer back, uh, we're going to be doing um, a lot more of the Let's Play series, What's on Tap. Um, and uh, this last this last Thursday was interesting because I was tired because my the thing about me talking to somebody, it takes energy out as an as an introvert. I use a lot of energy having a conversation. So that Brian interview drained me <laughs> very quickly because <laughs> I was trying to be on point the whole time. So when I was doing the, when mm -hmm. I was doing the uh, show with Anthony, I had about an hour's worth of energy. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Because we pretty much finished the interview and it was like less than 20 minutes later, you guys started. So yeah, yeah it was, yeah, it was super quick, but, uh, we still had fun, and I'm sure he'll be able to get something out of it, but, like, I got so tired, I couldn't... It was like, watch him play a game, or not, and watch somebody else play a game on my Xbox, and laugh at that. It was just, it was a whole problem, but um, this upcoming Thursday, I'll definitely be more attentive, and I'll have nothing distracting me from making fun of his terrible gameplay, and possibly terrible pronunciations of words. So there's that. That's usually that's usually par for the course for both. It's uh being a mattressist is definitely the epitome of that. Uh that's an inside joke. You should guys should come out should check out the show. Should watch it when I make fun of him. 
Yeah, and usually Valer and I are both in the chat making fun of it yes. as well. So. Yes, absolutely. I, I, He's getting it from three different directions. I still laugh quite hard at the chat during Epitome. That was fucking hilarious. You guys were scre- like in caps saying, you're wrong, Anthony. <laughs> the other day we were doing the podcast, uh, or not the podcast, we were doing the um, uh, What's on Tap, and he wanted to say... Um, uh, what was it? it was it was it was hyperbole, but it had a, it had a like a um a thing at the end of it. Hyper not 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 hyperbole, but hi- it was like uh basically when you say the word hyperbole and then you add this particular thing at the end, you have to pronounce it hyperbole and then with the thing. I want to say mm-hmm. I want to say istic hyperbolistic. Because you can't mm-hmm. say hyperbolistic. That doesn't. It's that's not a word. Like you have to. Pre- oh, and he said hyperboleistic. No, 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 no. He no? he said it correctly, and then he stopped and tried oh. to say it incorrectly because he thought that he said it wrong. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. Actually, yeah, I and mean, it was just anything. it was really funny. I was I was like, you said it right the first time. He's like, why does the English language do that? And I'm like, because it sucks. <laughs> this language is the worst. <laughs> yeah. But Anthony's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. We have we have a good time there. And uh, but if 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 you know, also if watching video games or talking about video games is not your thing, I totally get it. This is a this is a Netflix this or well, an entertainment a watching entertainment podcast. So if this is your thing, maybe that's your thing. Maybe not. But I'll see you there if it is. Maybe. But yeah, Josh, um, why don't you have a rundown of uh, where they can follow you, and then follow it up where they can follow this podcast. Us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, on Twitter, my handle is nsabanur1976, E-N-S-A-B-A-H-1976. Um, that's where you can, now that I'm home and out of the hospital, I'll actually be tweeting again. <clears throat> I'm also on, in addition to this show every other Friday, I'm also on Off the Runner, which is on my friend Primal Sabbath's YouTube channel, P-R-I-M-A-L-S-A-B-B-A-T-H. That's where he and I and several other friends sit down and build some model kits and have some interesting and usually hilarious conversations. Uh, And those are posted every Saturday. Uh, but in addition to that, you can follow us here at All Queued Up, both Greg and myself, allqueweduppodcast.com. That's www.allqueweduppodcast.com. It's a hub for all of our audio uh, locations, our YouTube channel, our social media accounts, our Facebook discussion group, where you can join. Uh, just ask permission to join the Facebook discussion group. We'll get you in there. And you can uh, participate in the discussions we have about the various shows that we watch. But yeah, um, don't forget, we uh, now that I am back out of the hospital, we are still taking pre-orders for t-shirts. $30 ship, sizes up to 5X, 100% gild and cotton. And our all queued up logo on the chest I on the front of the shirt. I completely it's forgot we were doing, shirt. We, were, we were still selling those shirts. Completely forgot. Oh, yeah. I'd be promoting that shit oh, yeah. all the time if I remember. I'm leave a post-it note on my TV. Also, it should be mentioned, and I don't know... Why we haven't talked about it yet, Josh, but 
Um, if you do buy one of the shirts and you do have a leg amputated, it like grows back like the lizard. Oh shit! See, this is why we need our pre-order funding, <laughs> so I can get my leg back. Because if it has the power to cr- to make that happen, well, that would kind of be preferable than doing what I'm having to do right now. <laughs> okay, it doesn't really do that, but it does make you look pretty fucking cool. <laughs> My favorite thing to do is just come up with absurd things that the shirt can do. <laughs> it does do a lot, but the main thing is it makes you look pretty fucking cool. And it also, you know, helps to fund future uh, projects that we have in the works. So, you know, all money, all proceeds we make off of the shirt sales go back into the all queued up fund. It's entirely for the show. It's yeah. not to be split up between Greg and myself. Don't forget, we have a Patreon. Uh, now that I am out of the hospital and recovering, we are going to focus on the Patreon and give you some rewards. Go to uh, patreon.com slash all queued up podcast. You can check those rewards out. Yep. But yeah. Uh, guys, that's, that's all I've got. Yeah, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap <sighs> it up, guys. Uh, again, this, this show ran long, we understand. But, hey, look, we didn't have a, we didn't have an episode two Fridays ago, uh, where, where, uh, you know, things were happening, life gets in the way. As I said, with the old proverb, shit happens. Um, uh, but guys. Exactly. Like Josh said, we're back in the saddle. We're going to be getting more episodes or episodes out on a regular basis starting on the 15th. Uh, so look forward to that. Um, again, I am your host, Greg Dietz. This has been Josh Fisher, and we will see you next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>